this is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, Jesus instructed us to count the cost before we made a decision to follow him. Another way of looking at this is that Jesus was telling us, figure out what would cause you to quit God before it happens. And that's kind of a tall order and and maybe could be a little bit of a morbid exercise to run through all the scenarios, but I think we need to do it. I think we need to figure out what would cause us to give up on God before it happens. And then we can make a decision of how we're going to address those types of situations whenever they happen. So listen in today and consider what causes you to quit, not only quit God, but quit anything so that you can become an overcomer. You can become someone who perseveres through problems instead of giving up whenever something bad happens. In doing that, we get a picture of what that looks like by looking in the book of Acts. We're in Acts 5. We're going to start in, in Acts five seventeen. But before we do, I want to ask you a question. Are you a quitter? Any quitters here? <laughs> you know, well, <laughs> we're, we, that's right. There's some things you want to quit. That's a good point, Barbara. I totally agree. There's some things you want to want to quit, but generally, God doesn't want you to be a quitter. All right? Don't quit on God. And here's, I'm going to give you a little secret. I'm going to give it to you up front. Don't walk out the door just because I give you the secret up front. But here's the reason why people don't quit. All right. The the reason why people don't quit is because they don't want to quit. All right. I didn't quit my job because I didn't want to quit my job. I liked doing what I did, you know, and and I don't quit being a Christian because I actually enjoy being a Christian. I enjoy being a Christian. I like it. I was talking to this Indian guy that that my wife was uh, telling you about just yesterday. The young adults were playing uh, ultimate frisbee. And I was sitting over the, by the side by this uh, with this guy. He's uh, studying to be a PhD at UTEP, and and he asked me he asked me question after question after question. And one of the questions he said, "Well, isn't Christianity restrictive? Doesn't it like you know keep you from doing a bunch of stuff?" And I began to explain to him, "No, when you get to know God, you're free from things." not free to do things. You're free from the things that used to restrict you. And now as a Christian, I'm unrestricted. I'm free. I've been set free. I've been on both sides of the fence. And I'll tell you, this side of the fence is way better. It's way better. Why do I don't, I don't want to quit being a Christian? Because I don't want to quit being a Christian. I enjoy it. And so we're going to look at this and see what could cause you to quit God. What could cause you to give up on God? Let's look at Acts 5, verse 17. And you can follow along the screen here. Um, But we're going to have several stops and starts, as we always do. But let's read through this. And, And just the backstory, just really quick. The church was exploding. People were being physically healed. People who were oppressed in their minds were being set free And it made the religious people of that time very jealous, as we'll read. So here it says, the high priest and his associates and the members of the party of the Sadducees. That was kind of uh, uh, the the lawyers of the time, the, the religious folks of the time. They were filled with jealousy. All right. And they were, so they arrested the apostles. Who were the apostles? The, the leaders of the church. 
and they put them in the public jail. Can you imagine going downtown? You find out that I've been put in jail because I was telling people about Jesus. It could happen very soon someday here. But anyways, they were arrested. They were put in jail. But during the night, the angel of the Lord came and opened the doors of the jail, brought them out, and told them, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. All right? And I want to mention something here. Just pause really quick. Is whose voice are you reacting to in your head? Whose voice are you reacting? In this case, they had the legal folks, the, 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 the politicians of the time telling them one thing and God telling them a different thing. Who did they react to? And the question is today, whose voice are you reacting to today? Because whichever voice you listen to is going to determine your quitting point, your stopping point. If you listen to the voice of this world, you're going to quit being a Christian very soon. But if you decide, I'm going to open my ear and I'm going to start listening to the voice of God, you're never going to quit. You're never going to stop because you'll enjoy God's presence and his blessing so much that you say, I'm not going to quit. Because I'm enjoying what God has for me. So the voice you listen to is going to determine your quitting point. Whenever it comes to the things of God, God's voice is going to keep you going. Do you know how many times I need to hear from God? At least daily. At least daily. If you're just hearing from God once a week because you're coming to church and that's when you, you feel God's presence and you're God's presence you're going to go at a very slow pace. But if you say, I want to hear from God every day, I'm going to open the Bible. I'm going to read the Bible for myself. I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to listen to the spirit of God. Your engine is going to be fired up and you're going to be unstoppable. So listen to the right voices. Well, listen to this. What did they do? Did they quit because they were threatened? They were put in jail? No, it says at daybreak, they entered the temple courts. They had been freed from prison, supernaturally freed from prison. They came out, immediately went to the temple courts. And at daybreak, they began to tell the people and teach the people about Jesus. And there's two polar opposites. You're either a quitter or you're an aggressive obeyer. <laughs> aggressive. What was the last thing that God told you to do? It may have been something 10 years ago, and you're still sitting on it. I'm telling you, go at daybreak and go do what God told you to do. Even if it's 10-year-old commandment, he told you to do something, go do it. And you're going to start the engine of progress in your life, of spiritual progress in your life, and you're going to start moving like you've never moved before. Well, when the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin. That was the, the gathering of, of the legal and religious folks of that time, the full assembly of elders of Israel, and they sent to the jail to get the apostles out. But upon, upon arriving at the jail, the officer, um, they, they said they couldn't find anybody. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with a guard standing there at the doors. But when we opened them, there was nobody inside. <laughs> On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men that you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At this, the temple guard went out with his officers and brought in the apostles, but they didn't use force because 
they feared that the people would stone them. And I want to gain a little just wisdom and insight just from this. We need to stop worrying about what people think about us. <laughs> Do you hear that? Stop worrying about what people think about you. That fear inside of you, that, that, uh, that importance to you of what people think about you is going to drive you in the wrong direction all the time. All the time. You know, there's a proverb, a proverb in, in, in chapter 29, uh, verse 25. It says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. If you worry about what people think about you, you're going to make the wrong decisions in life nine times out of ten. And it's going to cause you to quit God. The more you worry about what people think about you and the less you worry about what God thinks about you, you're going to turn your back on God eventually because you're driven by people's praise and by what they think. How can you break this approval addiction? And I guarantee you, every one of us, including me, we all have some level of approval addiction. We want people to be happy with us, and it bothers us when they're not happy with us. So how do we break this approval addiction? Well, look at this. The first way is you get exhausted. You get tired of worrying about, about what people think about you. You get exhausted, and that exhaustion leads you to say, you know what, I'm sick of worrying about what people think about you about me. I'm going to stop doing it because it tires me out. I get my energy from other sources. It's certainly not from what people think about me. But another way is you, you, you see there's no value in it. There's no value. You know, people are fickle. At some point, they're going to like you. Other times, they're not going to like you, and you say, there's no value whatsoever in worrying about what people think about me. Another way that you can get rid of this approval addiction is by realizing this is an endless pursuit. It's like a hamster in a little you know, wheel just going and going and going. I'm never going to get everybody to like me. There's always going to be somebody who's displeased with me. And you realize that and you say, you know what? This is just an endless pursuit. <laughs> I'm going to cut this one off. All right. But the fourth one and the best one is to start seeking God's praise and make him your source instead of all the vast amount of humanity that's out there. Your family, your friends, people that don't know you. You start saying, God, you're my source. People aren't my source. They're not going to be my emotional source. They're not going to be my financial source. They're not going to be my source of love. My source comes from God. And that approval addiction is going to be broken in your life. And you're not going to quit God as a result. You're going to stay strong with the Lord. So stop caring what people think about you. But don't stop caring for people. You know, there's a, there's a balance here. You can say, I don't care what people think about me. Well, that means you're writing everybody off. Don't stop caring for people. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Let's move on in verse 27 of Acts 5. So the apostles were brought in from the temple. They went out and brought them in gently and carefully and cautiously. And they were made to appear before the Sanhedrin. It'd be like the Supreme Court, if you will. To be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we were going through that part of the story. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood, meaning Jesus' blood. 
Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. Some versions of the Bible say, judge for yourself whether we should obey you or we should obey God. But we're going to obey God. And so I have this question today. Again, we're talking about quitting, but should you fear God? The Bible talks about it quite a bit. Fear the Lord your God. Fear God. Fear the Lord. Should we fear the Lord? Well, there's, there's two types of fears. There's a bad fear. And then there's a good fear. And the bad fear is one that is a fear that makes you want to run and hide away from whatever's making you fearful. And if you think about Adam and Eve, that's exactly what happened. They, they had a bad fear of God. And what did they do when they sinned? They ran away from God and they hid. That's not the kind of fear that the Bible's talking about, apparently. Because it makes you, it pushes you away from God. So that's bad fear. And that kind of fear also is, is one that makes you not be able to cope with life. And if there's something I'm seeing in American culture nowadays is people simply can't cope anymore. They just fall apart. Something bad happens to them. They're immediately on drugs. They're immediately on antidepressants. They're immediately having to seek counsel. They're immediately freaking out. People can't cope. That's a bad kind of fear that causes you not to be able to cope with life. God wants you to cope with your problems. He wants you to be able to to bear up under your problems, get through them, and be victorious as a result of your problems. But the good kind of fear is the fear that makes you make good decisions. That's good fear. And everybody in this world needs a good dosage of that good fear. There's a group of juvenile delinquents uh, that their teacher and I don't, probably don't have all the details exactly right, but the, the person who's responsible for these, these delinquents, they were, in, they were in high school, he decided he was going to see if he could help them with this good fear. And so he organized a field trip to have these juvenile delinquents go to a maximum security prison and see what prison life was going to be like for them if they kept on the same track that they were on. And so he arranged the whole thing. They went in. They took a tour of, of the facilities there and what a, a day in prison looked like. And he even got them to be able to talk to some of the inmates. Some of the inmates were in there for life. They had had such a, you know, committed such an offense against society that they were in there for life. Well, I tell you what, this experience terrified some of those young, young guys so much that they changed their behavior and they quit doing some of the things they'd been doing before. Now you tell me, is that good fear or bad fear? It's good fear. It's good fear. It was good fear whenever I taught my kids that fire burns you. Don't touch it. That's good fear. Let me tell you what, we need a healthy dose of fear of God. It keeps us out of of trouble. It scares the Hades out of us, if you will, right? To know there's right and wrong and there's consequences to right and wrong as well. So there's this level of the fear of God that's good and it's going to fuel us to keep on the Christian life that we're on, the Christian path that we're on. People that blow off the fear of God end up turning away from God. So we need that, that healthy fear. Proverbs 15.33 says, Wisdom's instruction is to the fear is to fear the Lord. 
wisdom. If you want, we all want wisdom. I hope we do. You want wisdom in your mind, your heart to make good decisions. All right. It comes from the fear of the Lord. In Exodus 14.31, we hear about the Israelites who were pulled out of Egypt miraculously. They were set free, and it says the people feared the Lord. And what was the result of it? Did they go hide from God? No, it says they feared the Lord, and then they put their trust in God. So the fear, of, the good kind of fear of God will cause you not to run from him. It'll cause you to trust in him. And when you trust God, you're not going to quit. It's when you start distrusting God and you have this nagging thought in the back of your mind. Does God really have my best interest in mind? Is God really who he says he is? Those thoughts are going to cause you to quit God eventually. But when you trust God, you know God is good. He has be- your, your best interest in mind. You're not going to give up on God. Isn't that awesome? Well, let's read on in verse 30 of Acts 5. So uh, let's see. Uh, here's, uh, I think Peter's talking at this point. And he says, The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on the cross, and God exalted him to his own right hand as the prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgiveness of sin. He gives them this quick, uh, insightful thought on how and why we're sinners and why we need Jesus. He says, and Peter says, we are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, the, this Supreme Court, these, the, the Sanhedrin group of folks, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. Can you imagine being standing in front of the Supreme Court of the United States and you can see all the justices looking at you with anger and wanting to put you to, to have capital punishment and put you to death. Can you imagine the fear that that might produce in you? That was, that's how these apostles felt. They ticked these guys off. And I want to ask you, what would it take for you to quit on God? One thing is dying for God. Okay, you die and it's over. Another thing is living for God. (laughs) I think it's harder to live for God than it is to die for God. I don't know. That's just me. I haven't, I haven't died for God yet, so I don't know for sure, but I think that's probably the case. So I have to think in this life, what would it cause me? What, what would it take for me to quit on God, to give up on God? And I don't want to be morbid and go through all these scenarios and what, but I think you need to. I think sometimes you need to. What would it take for you to give up on God? Now, as we look at these, there's two types of things. One thing that cause you can, can cause you to give up on God is temptation. It's making you want, it's something that you want to do can make you give up on God. Uh, on the other side, you can have something that's bad that happens to you that causes you to give up on God. So I sprinkled both of these types of things throughout these, and I've had these thoughts, all right? So let's say I'm a single person, and I find this beautiful girl that I want to date, but I know she's bad news, bad news. Am I willing to go ahead and date this person and leave God to the side? That could be something that could cause me to quit God, would be a dating type of relationship, all right? What about this? 
is, and I remember, man, when starting about eighth grade, I wanted friends, and I was willing to do anything to get friends of any sort. I didn't care if they were good or bad. I just wanted friends, and I was willing to enjoy their fun and do whatever it took to have friends, all right? Maybe you're in that same position as a young person or as an adult. Are you willing to do, is that more important to you than following God? All right. If it is, this is something that could cause you to quit God because you're so intent on getting those friendships. What if you lost your job or your career and you lost your income? Would that bother you so much that you would turn your back on God? Would that be what it would take for you? What about losing your spouse to death or divorce? Is that enough to cause you to turn your back on God? Think about these things. I'm not trying to be depressing, but you got to look at these things and say, is this what it would take for me to quit God? What about if, if you're super talented and you decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue my talent, maybe as a, as a singer, as an artist or whatever, and that talent is enough to drive you away from God. Is that what it takes? Or maybe it's something that has to do with your good looks or your wealth or power or whatever it is. Or maybe you're looking so intent on getting people's praise. We were talking about approval addiction. But people's praise is enough to drive you away from God. What about rejection? What about if you're in a situation and those you love reject you or a person that you love rejects you? Is that enough to drive you away from God? you got to think about these things. Look at the next slide here. Just... Real quick, what if you've suffered abuse? Some people, you know, there's hypocrisy in church. Did you know that? <laughs> Have you ever, I, I've talked to tons of people. I don't go to church because of all the hypocrites in church. All right, well, there's hypocrites everywhere. All right, do you not go to work because there's hypocrites at, at work? I mean, give me a break. All right, but is church hypocrisy enough to drive you away from God? Has anybody be, ever been hurt in church? I have. All right, you've been hurt in church. Is that enough to make you quit God? Think about these things. Is a tragic accident or a handicap or a, a dream or a plan that you had that fell apart or, or maybe your own personal goal? You say, I'm going this direction, God. I hope you're going with me. He's not going to do that. We follow God. God doesn't follow us. <laughs> all right. What about your busyness? Hey, we're all Americans. All right. Our kids are in sports and this and that, and we're running around like our, with heads, with our, what do you call it, chickens with our heads cut off? Is that what I'm trying to say? I'm telling you, don't let your busyness cause you to quit God. Don't do it. And I've had my kids in sports for eons, so I know, I know what it's like. Your career. Here's, a, here's the last one I'll leave you with. And the list goes on and on and on. You make up your own list, all right? Go through your own scenarios. You've got to decide before it happens if it's going to keep you from God or not. All right? You've got to decide. But I've been in church, and either as a pastor or just someone in church, tried to push someone to grow a little bit. And you know what? I pushed them right out the door. And I wasn't being obnoxious. I was just trying to help them. Dude, read your Bible a little bit more. Man, get involved in church. Or even, you know, give, give your tithes to the Lord. And you know what? I pushed them too far and it was enough to push them away from God. Now, maybe shame on me, but is that what it would take for you to turn your back on God? You've got to know these things in advance so that 
if and when tragedy happens, guys. We're, we're people. We're living in a world that's messed up. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. You got to be prepared and say, I'm following Jesus. I'm not going to quit on God. Nothing in this world is going to make me quit on God. So make up your minds. Let's read on in verse 34. It says, but there was this Pharisee named Gamaliel. He was a teacher of the law, and he was honored by the people. And so he stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men, these apostles, be put outside for a little while. Then he went on and addressed the Sanhedrin, and he said, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do with these men. Some time ago, there's this guy named Thaddeus that appeared and claimed to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it was all came to nothing. After him, there was uh, Judas, a Galilean, who appeared in the days of the census, and he led a band of people to revolt. He, too, was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you leave these men alone let them go for if their purpose or activity is of human origin it will fail but if it is from God you will not be able to stop these men you'll only find yourselves fighting against God his speech persuaded them and they called the apostles in but apparently it didn't persuade them enough because they went ahead and had these people whipped flogged and that's something that we don't we can't even comprehend because it doesn't happen here at least not by the police not not in situations where it's public you know public and and it's your judgment we can't comprehend this these people were flogged for being christians they were whipped for being christians then they were ordered not to speak in the name of jesus and then let them go and so i have to ask you have you ever been verbally flogged maybe we can identify with that Someone has just dressed you down, tore you up, and spit you out with their words. Has that ever happened to anybody? I'm sure it has. Verbal abuse, maybe in the workplace, maybe with a former spouse, maybe. Who knows what it is? But would that, would that cause you to turn your back on the Lord if, if that was the result of your, your Christian faith? Would you take a physical flogging for Jesus? It could happen someday, possibly. But look at how the apostles reacted. They left the Sanhedrin not saying, oh, poor me. I'm not sure if I'm going to be a Christian. No, they left rejoicing because they had been counted worthy for suffering disgrace for the name. They left rejoicing. Now, how many of you have left a problem, all right? You've had this problem, it's still there, and you have decided to rejoice despite the problem. Just to rejoice, because God is more important and bigger than your problem, and you just rejoice in the Lord, as the the Apostle Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Did you know joy is a choice? Joy, are, are you a child of circumstance or are you a child of faith? you got to make up your mind and say, you know what, I'm not going to let my circumstances get me down. I'm going to stand on top of my circumstances and I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And that's, that's what a non-quitter looks like, is someone who has found their joy in Jesus and doesn't always have to have it perfect 
for them to have a smile on their face. See, God wants you to be on top of your circumstances, and you have the decision to make if you're going to let the, your circumstances get you down or you're going to take control of yourself. You may not be able to control your circumstances, but you can control yourself, and you're going to be joyful. Joyful people are the people that never quit. Joy is the number one reason, I believe, why people don't quit. And joyful people don't focus on their circumstances. They focus on their God. That's that's the change. You can do this. Every one of you. You can do it. Is it hard? Yes, it's hard. Is it a choice? Absolutely, it's a choice. Does it take a little bit of effort? Yes. Do you need God's help to do it? Yes, absolutely. But you can do this. You can do this. And God wants you to do it. So I'll end with this. In Hebrews 12 verses 1 through 3 we see how Jesus got through what he got through and and how we can get through it as well get through an it being a problem a difficulty something that might tempt us to quit on God but Hebrews 12 1 through 3 it says therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and you'd have to read the chapter to before to know what this is talking about but it's people of faith the people the giants of faith who've preceded us So considering them, they're all, we're like in a big old huge football stadium. They're all surrounding us. They've made it through. Now we're on the field playing our game. All right. He says, now let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. What is perseverance? Not quitting. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Hey, If you got cancer, face the fact you got cancer. You're in a race. Let's get through the race. You're going through a divorce. Hey, you know what? You're in the race. Let's get through this divorce you're going through. You see what I mean? You're in the race. Don't give up. Fix your eyes on Jesus instead, the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. And I'll tell you right now, your faith is more important than your comfort. Your faith is more important than your comfort. And God knows that. We should know that as well. So what did Jesus do? He said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What got Jesus through the cross? His joy of what was on the other side. His joy of what was on the other side. Your problem, you're going to get through it. You're going to get through it with God's help. You can do this. God is going to help you get through this. See the joy on the other side and don't give up. Is anybody going to give up today? Do we have any quitters? No. Come on, guys. We can do this with God's help. And we can do this together as well. You're not alone. The devil, the enemy would love to make you think that you're the only one and you're by yourself and and you got to get through this by yourself. It's not true. God wants to help you and he's going to help you if you'll let him, if you'll let him. So for the joy, he scorned its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, what are we supposed to do? Consider him, consider Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners so that we don't grow weary and lose heart. Don't lose heart, man. (laughs) All right. Have a faith filled, positive perspective. When you get down, then get down on your knees. 
All right. When you get down, get down on your knees and say, God, give me perspective. Raise me up. And we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. Raise me up like an eagle. All right. So I can see the whole picture and see where I'm at and have that perspective because perspective is like wisdom. It gives you hope. It helps you see the big picture so that you can navigate all the obstacles that you have. So don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. All right, so let's summarize five things, five things that we've talked about today and of how not to quit. God wants us to persevere. We shouldn't be quitters, all right? So whose voice are you reacting to? You've got to discern the voices that go on, the thoughts that cross your, your mind. Whose voice are you reacting to? And if it's God's voice you start listening to, then you're going to get you're not going to quit because God isn't going to let you quit. <laughs> He's going to help you through. He does 99% of the heavy lifting, you do 1%, but God wants you to at least do your 1%. All right, when the Bible says He's our helper, it means He does 99%, all right? He's more than our helper. He carries us along, but we've got to be in the fight with him, all right? So whose voice are you reacting to? The second thing is don't worry about what people think about you. That's one of those things that weighs you down. And shoot, some of us listen to dead people's voices. Did you know that? Somebody, we, we listen to someone who's in our past, blah, 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 and putting us down and tearing us down. They die off, but their voice continues. Is anybody like that? Those people are gone. Don't listen to what they had to tell you. It wasn't helpful, apparently. So don't listen to it. All right, don't worry about what people think about you. Listen to the right kind of fear, not the bad kind of fear, the the fear of God that loves you, that carries you, that helps you, but also that warns you. God puts yield signs in front of your face. He says, don't go, don't go. And several yield signs down the line, you hit a stop sign, and that's when your life falls apart. So, So listen to the fear of God in your life. Know what things might cause you to quit God. Remember this laundry list, and you have your own, I'm sure. And then figure out how to be joyful in the Lord. You say, Steve, well, tell me how. You figure it out. Read your Bibles. Go to the source. Ask God, God, how can you make me a more joyful person? And I'm telling you, once you have the joy of the Lord, you're not going to quit anything in life except for what's bad. All right, let's bow our heads in prayer. And if you would stand with me in solidarity, that you, you say, you know what? I'm not going to quit God. <laughs> I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be full of joy. I'm going to stand in there. I'm not going to give up ever in this life. And let's pray together. Jesus, we come before you because we can't do this on our own. It's impossible. This is not about uh, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. This is not about elbow grease. This is not about making a strong decision and sticking with it because we can't do it. This is too big for us. It's too much for us. But Lord, with your help, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, praise God. All things. Lord, and you said, nothing will be impossible for you if you'll just have faith. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You tell us, Lord, those that hope in the Lord will soar with wings as eagles. Praise God, they'll walk, they'll run and not grow weary. They won't faint. 
Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we're talking about a supernatural strength and energy and power that's going to propel us through problems, past problems, over problems, Lord God. 